What's going on, guys? Welcome to another Mookie Finance Show live stream. And in tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about money being finite. Now, I don't know if uh, the title was a little bit uh, off-putting or didn't catch people's attention, but what I really want to spend tonight talking about is the fact that um, everyday people uh, have a finite amount of money. And I know my other channel, we talk about investing, we talk about building wealth, and we talk about compound growth, um, and that seems infinite. Uh, but when it comes to actually having money, handling money, and uh, using and spending money day-to-day, month-to-month, when it comes to budgeting, money, uh, at least the mentality you should have is money is finite. Um, there's a set amount of it, a uh, set amount of it you're going to make every month. There should be a set amount you should spend, a set amount you should save, and a set amount that you should give. Now, uh, I want to spend, I don't know how long this will go on, maybe a half an hour, an hour, depends. But uh, the first uh, sort of lesson that I have with money or first exposure to understanding that money is finite is if you just look at your paycheck. So for those of you that have regular jobs uh, that earn uh, a workable wage, whether whatever industry you're in, if you're a W-2 employee, you're probably earning a paycheck every uh, week or every other week. Um, that is sort of set. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, if you're if you work off commission, you might be able to make a little bit more. But if you're an hourly employee, for the most part, your paycheck is going to be set. Uh, whatever that rate is every single uh, week or every other week, that's what you're going to be earning. So uh, that's where your first limitation is going to be placed on money being finite is you have set amount of it coming in. So to uh, become better at handle your money, you need to understand that. Um, I think one of the things that we, at least with me, that I wasn't taught growing up is that, you know, I was always taught that hard work uh, will get you more money. And that's true. That's a very true statement. Hard work does get you more money. But usually the more of it that you get, uh, because you have the wrong mentality, you think that there's an infinite amount of money out there. The more of it that you get, the more of it you're going to spend because you always think, oh, there's going to be more coming in later. Um, what I like to teach now and I, what I spend a lot of time teaching with the one-on-one clients is that money is finite. Um, you should look at every dollar that you earn as potentially your last and you need to be a good allocator of that money. So let's say you get paid every, uh, we'll just use every single week as an example. Let's say you get paid $1,000 a week, it's $4,000 a month. Uh, whether you make $4,000 a month or you make $10,000 or $20,000 a month, you should still have the same exact mentality. Uh, so there's only so many ways that you can split up your your income every month uh, until you end up running out of it. And usually what happens is a lot of people that don't uh, budget money correctly, what they'll end up doing is they'll end up spending that money thinking, well, you know, my next paycheck's just around the corner. Or, uh, you know, well, I get paid in two days, so it's okay if I uh, overspend or put this on a credit card today. Again, a mentality of money is infinite. Um, So what I want to help do in tonight's broadcast is really help you guys understand uh, how I got better at understanding uh, money being finite. So the first thing that I did is I restricted or put a limitation on myself. Um, So uh, an easy way you can do this is let's say you're in $1,000. Uh, on your paycheck, what I want you to do right off the top and get in the habit of doing this is setting, I don't know, 10, 15, 20%, whatever you're comfortable with, setting that aside from the top and saying, hey, I never had this money. Um, and then trying to go about uh, the, the way you live the rest of the, uh, the way you live your life the rest of the month. And what this helps me do is it helps me again understand that I'm, I'm, I'm putting money away for, for a bigger purpose. And that money that I'm putting away, I almost treat like it's money that I didn't have in the first place. So it's, uh, I think I've heard it called before a, uh, a scare, uh, like a scarce mentality where you're kind of making yourself feel poor on purpose. And this is kind of what I've done to, and it's helped me become successful now. It, it might not work for everybody. Some people don't like the idea of others telling them that they shouldn't spend their money. And that's fine. I, uh, I've run into people that uh, get really upset when I say, hey, you know, uh, maybe that item that you just bought isn't bringing you any kind of value. Maybe you should uh, reconsider purchasing something else. And again, they're of the mentality of, well, money's infinite. I'll just go ahead and make more. So even if I made the wrong purchase today, whether that might be 
uh, video game that you bought or maybe a, a phone that you bought or maybe even a bigger purchase like a car or a house. Um, people can impulse those things because they think, well, money's indefinite. It's just going to keep flowing in. Um, and what I'm here to report is that when you do those types of things, uh, no, money doesn't always come flowing in. So take that right off the top, that 10, 15, 20% and treat that as money that has just disappeared. Uh, it's out of your life. It's gone. And you don't even think about spending it. Uh, once you get into a habit of doing that, what you'll end up doing is you'll have to adapt and learn how to live on less than you make. And uh, I think this is another uh, interesting thing in this country that I've that you know it, it, it sort of it, it keeps happening is people keep complaining. Well, I don't have money to to pay rent. I don't have money to pay student loans. I don't have money to do whatever the heck else I want to do and still pay my bills. Um, if you don't prioritize paying your bills first and, and you prioritize, I don't know, buying uh, phones or buying clothes or buying shoes, and then you say, well, whatever's left over, I'll pay my bills with. That's a wrong, wrong way to approach money. Um, it's, again, thinking that money's indefinite, that, you know, if I buy these things like clothes, well, you know, later on at the end of the month, I'll use my next paycheck to pay rent. Um, you got it all backwards. You're looking at it all backwards. So again, let's start off the top. We're going to save that 10, 15% and create a uh, sort of like a barrier to spending, especially for those of you guys that are natural spenders. Um, if you're someone like me who loves to, uh, well, I think I'm more of a natural giver, but I could be a spender too. But it, I like to spend. I like nice stuff sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. Uh, it might be hard to uh, put a cap on yourself for a limit and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to be a spender anymore. Um, I'm going to turn into a saver. And if you just have this scare, scarcity uh, mentality, like resources are scarce out there and there's not enough of it. Um, when you treat money that way, you tend to end up hoarding a lot of it and you become a natural uh, saver. And well, not natural, I guess it's it's more of a forced saver. But what that does, again, it it helps you start to understand savings rates and how to save money. Money is not that difficult to figure out if you just uh, prioritize uh, your fixed bills first, such as rent, um, your car payment, if you have one, your car insurance, uh, food, stuff like that. Well, I guess food could be more variable. But if you prioritize variable and, and, and fixed uh, needs to survive and you don't prioritize wants to uh, such as, uh, you know, clothes or, or phones or I guess, more fancier cars or whatever else you're spending your money on. If you don't prioritize that and you prioritize your needs, uh, you're going to win with money pretty quickly. But when you start to prioritize then additional savings on top of just uh, what you're saving, let's say you're saving 5% or 10% for retirement, unfortunately, you know that's not going to get you enough uh, by the time you're retired to be able to retire comfortably. So you're going to have to prioritize or manage money elsewhere or take from elsewhere uh, to be able to give uh, or to be able to put in this bucket, which might be, you know, retirement or whatever you're saving for. And that's, again, where money becomes finite. Uh, Warren Buffett has a lot of money, but he still can't allocate capital to every single thing he probably wants to allocate capital to. He sort of has to kind of prioritize where do I put money in first? Because even though he's worth billions and billions and billions of dollars, it's he's still not worth trillions and trillions. So uh, you have to understand, you know, even though we can build wealth and, and compound our money, it's it's there's so many places that our money can so many holes that our money can slip into and disappear. So have this again mentality of uh, scarcity. I don't I'll never I'm never going to have. Uh, a lot of money or enough money to be able to uh, ha have everything that I want. And, and sometimes too, uh, a lot of the things that you that you want, you're thinking of uh, maybe in the short term, you know, oh, I, um, what's a good one for me? I want a new pair of glasses, right? Um, and I've thought about that now for, I don't know, a couple of months now. Oh, I need a new pair of glasses. Um, generally, most of the things that we yearn for or want are uh, we probably more want the process of buying it than we actually do the item. So yeah, I want a new pair of glasses. I thought about it for two two months. I'm going to go get a pair of glasses. But if I say, hey, I want, uh, what's another thing I, I've been thinking about lately? Oh yeah, I want to, let's say you want an authentic baseball jersey that costs $400. 
Um, yeah, I want that thing, but if I impulse buy it, I'll probably regret it as soon as the box arrives. Um, so I don't, I don't allocate my money there. I, I, I teach myself, Hey, no, this is, uh, this is not uh, something that's pressing. It's not a, well, it's a, it's a, it's a want, it's not a need. And your money's finite for this month because you have to pay rent. You have to go buy groceries. Uh, you got the car insurance bill due. You have a lot of other things that are that are a bigger priority than wanting this uh, $400 jersey. And I recently came across an article and I thought it was pretty funny. Well, it's not, it's not funny. It's sad. But at the same time, it, it really teaches us uh, a good lesson. And that's uh, uh, now that the uh, Supreme Court uh, has put a ban on on what the C I think it was the CDC that extended the uh, rent uh, uh, the rent eviction moratorium. So now that the the Supreme Court voted down that uh, moratorium, uh, they uh, people are protesting. Well, they want to cancel rent or they want to cancel student loan payments because um, you know they they can't afford it. And at the same time, uh, those people that are protesting, they have custom shirts made uh, with writings on them. Uh, their masks look like they were, you know, ten, twenty dollars. They got, they spent money on all these other things. They, uh, they just didn't prioritize it for rent. And that that's what happens when you when somebody doesn't learn how to how to manage money. It's what happens when somebody doesn't learn how to prioritize where their money should go. Um, I don't think that you know rent or student loans. Or anything else that we pay every every month is the problem because it's kind of part of, of living in society. It's kind of stuff we have to do as adults. But if you were never taught, and again, I don't blame the people. I think it's more of a probably a systemic problem where we're not taught in school how to manage money. We're not taught to to have this scarcity mentality. We're not taught that money is finite, that there's only so much of it that's going to come in. Instead, we're thought, well, we live in America, we're a capitalist society, uh, we're a consumer-driven society, so we're just going to spend, spend, spend. Um, and the fact that the average American can't come up with uh, you know, a couple of hundred bucks in their savings account uh, really shows this uh, playing out in real life, that people are prioritizing and spending their infinite amounts of money on all these other things except now they don't have money to pay rent. And uh, I think it was to a tune of something like 2 million people and really, really sad. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be heartless or say, you know, you know, uh, sucks for these people. They, they should have handled their money better, even though they should have handled their money better um, and probably prioritized their rent payments over other things. But I, and I, I know there's certain circumstances too. And I'm not trying to say that every, all 2 million of these people uh, deserve to be out on the street and homeless, but, uh, it's a bigger problem, and it's a problem that I don't think is going to go away unless we learn how to handle money. Um, I I could have easily seen myself uh, in that boat probably four years ago when I lost my job. Um, I was very close to becoming uh, falling into that trap and and really worrying about where my next rent payment was going to go, where it's going to come from. Where at the time, I guess I had a mortgage, not a rent payment, but it, it, it's scary. And I know, I know these people are afraid. I know that they're they're protesting because they want to see change. Uh, but I, I really challenge, especially uh, if anybody's watching that has really uh, sort of deep money problems where they don't know how to handle money. Uh, I, I challenge you to really seek uh, from within the answer and not to, to try to get a free uh, month's rent or or. Uh, not pay your student loan for six months because that's just like a that's a little bit of a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for a bandaid uh, it, it will cover up the wound or the boo-boo but it's not really going to fix it long term that bandaid is eventually is going to fall off and you're going to have the same problem so in in learning about money the first or the first couple of things that really still stand out to me today and things that I plan on teaching my kids uh, when it comes to handling money is one, of course, we have to prioritize and allocate our capital in the most efficient ways while still having enough left over to spend. Uh, there's no point of uh, me hoarding all this money and investing it and having millions of dollars if I'm not sort of enjoying it along the way. So um, I'm not anti uh, enjoying your money. I'm not anti spending, but I am anti uh, somebody who doesn't know how to prioritize and chooses not to learn 
how to prioritize and how to handle their money. So um, that that was a uh, I don't again I didn't mean to say it was a funny article. It was definitely a sad article, but I think it was at the same time highlighted really deeper problems we're going to have in this country, especially with uh, people that just cannot get out of their own way. Um, I just saw another thing um, on people buying stuff, basically, uh, what is this website or it's not a website. It's a payment processing app. I think it's called a firm or something like that. And, uh, people are basically financing items that they usually can't afford. So, uh, one example that I saw was like a MacBook computer. Those run for like 1800 bucks. Um, but you can make a low, easy monthly payment with this payment processing system and pay 40 or 30 bucks a month for it for 48 months, right? And it's like, yeah, let's break it down into these small minimal payments of 30 or 40 bucks so that people can afford this MacBook computer. Um, and that's fine if all you're ever going to do is buy a MacBook computer that way. But, you know, then you're going to want uh, that exercise machine. And then you're going to want the TV and you're going to want the cell phone. Then you're going to want the next thing, the next thing. And then before you know it, you're going to have all these little minimum monthly payments through this uh, payment processing system affirm. Uh, you're going to be paying 30 bucks for this, 20 bucks for this, 10 bucks for this. Kind of like how you're doing with subscriptions now, which I always thought was funny. Uh, a lot of people that uh, cut the cord, if you will, and they got rid of cable because cable is so expensive. Now they got like 10 subscriptions for $20 a month. So yeah, you, uh, Definitely cut the cord. Uh, same thing's happening here. It's like instead of uh, using your maxed out credit card to buy the thing you can't afford, uh, let's put it on a, on a monthly payment plan with the firm. Interest-free, by the way. Interest, zero interest for 48 months on anything you buy. Well, not anything. I think they're partnered with certain websites. But uh, I got a good chuckle out of that because uh, it, it's, it's really it's so silly that people have come to that point where they're uh, trying to buy these things that they can't afford with money they don't have. It's like, well, when I couldn't afford the iMac, I just went and bought the dang Toshiba for 200 bucks at Walmart. Uh, but you know, for most people that, uh, they can't do that. Or if you can't uh, afford the iPhone or the Samsung phone, uh, there's a whole lot of different like free phones or hundred dollar phones you can go buy. But, uh, you know, people don't want to uh, be caught dead using those kind of phones. So money is finite. Uh, understand that, believe and, and live like that so that you don't end up uh, sort of being stuck uh, with having to decide, do I do I buy food with this last $20 bill or do I help contribute that to my rent? Uh, because unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be in that situation. And I think especially next year, all this is going to run out, uh, uh, all these uh, uh, sort of coronavirus uh, sort of uh, band-aids that the government's put into place all that's going to run out next year uh, just because it's not sustainable and then you know people are going to be faced with reality what do i do now um so don't don't let yourself fall in that trap of, of being a consumer of thinking money's indefinite money is always going to print i'm always going to have money uh that's that's not the case um while i'm not trying to scare you and i don't want you guys to go out there and live your lives in fear that you're going to run out of money because i know a lot of the people that watch me you guys are are sound uh, financially you're, you're not struggling financially but uh it, don't think that it'll stay that way uh because for me in my life in my short adult life that i've been an adult and on my own for the last what 10 10 11 years now it, i've had ups and downs i've had years where i had a lot of money and, and i've had years uh, where I didn't make any money. I mean, I've I've had years where I had to go do, uh, I had to go be a janitor and you know clean toilets, and that's somebody with a college degree. But again, nothing is above me. Um, and uh, when I treated money like it was indefinite, like I would always have it, uh, unfortunately, I I did a lot of dumb things. I spent a lot of money, and I didn't prioritize where I was allocating my money. And I'm living proof that even someone you know who is somewhat well off couldn't fall from the top and and really come down to earth and and get a rude awakening and and i still thank god to this day that that happened to me because it really helped show me that uh the way that i was handling money or the way that i thought uh well not the way i thought the way i saw everybody else handling money around me i thought that was the right way uh, i thought it was normal to have a credit card to have a car loan uh, I thought it was normal that, uh, you know, everything that I bought, I financed. I freaking financed my couches. I financed my furniture. 
go to Best Buy and get a TV and open up a Best Buy credit card for no interest and finance that because, you know, I'm beating the system. And and before you know it, my whole world around me started to collapse because, again, for me, money was indefinite. It would never stop coming in ever. There was never uh, a doubt in my mind that I could lose my job and money would stop coming in. And unfortunately, it happened. And uh, I got a rude awakening in 2017 that money's finite. Now, the other part of the topic or the other part of the discussion I want to spend tonight before we get to the chat, I actually got to put on my new go- uh, my new goggles that I got here. Believe it or not, guys, I do wear glasses. Um, let's do a quick shout out here uh, into our comment section. We got Conscious in the house uh, says, wonder if the eviction lift will crash the real estate market. Who knows, man? Who knows? Uh, it's not going to be good. Mike Jones says, uh, if I... If it hasn't already with the landlords paying mortgages themselves might not be, might not, wait, might not be a lot, might hit the market. I don't know what you're saying, Mike Jones. Kevin, what's up, Kevin? Private member from the other channel. SEC made comment on payment for order flow and Hood took a hit. Do you think this could affect retail index investor M1 Finance? Uh, I'm not familiar with what, what they made, what the SEC said about it, but uh, I don't know. Is I think M1 Finance uses payment for order flow as well. So it could. It could. Um, Mr. David Jones, what's going on, sir? Uh, there's bound to be hard times for investors. Best time in the world to buy. So when it does happen, enjoy the discounts. Yeah, sure thing. Um, yeah, I don't know, Kevin, about the um, payment for order flow that the SEC made a comment on that. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's that's another thing, too. It's so funny. It's like, yeah, we'll give you um, we'll give you free uh, trading, which is what Robinhood claims they do. But uh, they're you know making oh well, sometimes they're making like up to eight or nine pennies uh, on on the transaction from you if you're doing putting in like a market order. And they you know they got twenty two or something like that twenty two million users. So and and they encourage people to trade. So you know Robinhood's making a killing. If it probably would have been better off uh, for investors if they just got charged. Uh, flat commissions like they did in the past where you would you know have to pay five or ten bucks for a trade which i know it seems unreasonable but think about if you're you know if you're investing you know in the 90s and 2000s that or that's more like 2010 what you were paying but if you're investing back then you didn't you know just trade because there's there was this uh sort of a commission fee that would hit you so you would less likely uh trade and now with robin hood uh sort of advertising it as commission free even though it's not uh, they've created uh, little monsters 22 million of them who are just executing these trades and, and robin hood is really cashing in on 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 its own customers which is kind of sad to see as well um uh, but it's kind of the it's kind of the times we're in um it's uh people think you know this is uh, again uh it's uh it's never gonna stop we're always gonna have uh, uh, green markets. We're always going to have a lot of money. We're always going to, uh, you know, be wealthy. And I think that's a, that's a scary way to think. I, I like to think more on uh, somewhere in the middle ground. Maybe I'm not going to have, uh, and nor do I need to have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, but, uh, I'm also going to make sure I have, uh, and always think in the back of my head, Hey, I have enough money for a rainy day fund and I have enough money if all this goes sideways tomorrow, uh, because believe it or not, you know, even if we don't want to think about the worst case scenario, unfortunately, sometimes the worst case scenario unfolds itself um, in 1930s with the Great Depression, uh, you know, uh, World War Two uh, and even in, in, in the early 70s where there was a big crash. And obviously the 2000s where the market pretty much erased 50 percent. And if you're in the NASDAQ, you probably lost 80%. So those things, a uh, great financial uh, crash in 2008. So those things are real, you know, and, and a lot of people previous to that looked really smart uh, because, you know, they were before the real estate crash in 2008, everybody was leveraging debt and getting a bunch of mortgage properties. And and I think of, uh, I think it's always funny too, like uh, just thinking of some of the YouTubers out here, the, like the real estate YouTubers, uh, what's a couple uh what's his name the guy who's running for governor meet kevin uh so meet kevin he pretty much got rich in in the greatest uh, real estate bull run ever and he did it by leveraging real estate and 
Uh, now he's got a successful YouTube channel. He's running for governor in California. But I think what would happen if Meet Kevin was trying to do that uh, basically in the 2005-2006 market, he would have gotten wiped out in 2008. So a lot of that stuff works until it doesn't. And uh, I'm here to report that uh, I've been to the top and I've, I've, I've crashed from the top down all the way down and now I'm going building myself back up to the top and I'm doing it the right way this time with uh, money uh, saving principles and money spending principles that I know for a fact work. Um, I've tested them over the last three years and they haven't led me astray um, in, in a good market. And uh, even though maybe I could have probably leveraged a lot more debt and been uh, wealthier than I am now, I know that when the bad times come, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be better off for it. Sorry, guys, I got to put on my glasses here to read these comments. I'm blind as a bat. Don't have my uh, don't have my contacts in. All right. Do you think the market will thrive once we put COVID behind us? We had such a crazy run during the pandemic. The S&P 500 keeps hitting records. What's your outlook for the next three to five years? Uh, that's from Dominicas Norakia. I'm sorry if I butchered your name there. I mean... Asking for my uh, outlook is like asking the weatherman if it's going to rain tomorrow. I have no idea what, you know, what's going to happen three to five years from now. And anybody that tells you they do, probably they're probably lying to you. But um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I was kind of excited. I don't want to say I was super excited, but I was excited in March of 2020 to see some depressed stock prices and to see the market falter a little bit. Uh, of course, the Fed kind of stepped in and said, hey, you know, we're not going to let the market collapse. Uh, we're not going to let banks go insolvent and all that. So there was a lot of uh, QE stuff going on that uh, really uh, helped pump the market back up. Um, what's going to happen when the Fed... Uh, pulls back again i don't know i mean uh eventually they're gonna have to right they're either gonna uh run they're either gonna print so much money that uh the dollar is gonna be worthless or they're gonna just let this thing uh kind of uh run, run the way it's supposed to run and i think the way it's supposed to run at least how i perceive it is you know there should be for a healthy economy for a growing economy uh, where you know you expect to see a healthy gdp growth you should have these cycles where the market corrects I think any time that you know uh, credit becomes so readily available that it's so cheap to take out credit, uh, you start to run into a problem with with with, uh, with the financial institutions uh, because the way the banks make their money is is through interest, right? And when the interest rate is so low for so long, um, you, it's not sustainable. So eventually, yes, I I mean yes, I can guarantee you there's going to be a market crash. But three to five years, I don't know. It could happen tomorrow. It can happen and five, maybe 10, maybe 15 years. Uh, uh, being a sort of a student at the game, here's an interesting period that I'll, I'll share with you as far as predicting market crashes. So in the 70s, a market crash happened in 1973 and 1974. Basically from 1974, from 1975, if you will, outside of October of 2000 or 1987, October 1987, that Black Monday, I think it was called. Outside of that, there was no market crash for like 15 years. So if you want to count, uh, let's say the recovery from 2011, if you want to count that as the recovery, um, and if you want to count uh, the COVID March of 2020 crash as sort of October 1987, the flash crash, uh, there was a put again 15 year period so where are we at 2011 so 2021 we're only 10 years so maybe five more years of of a booming market before uh it all comes crashing down but eventually it will right we just don't know when so uh that's sort of my uh my outlook there Uh, conscious says buy the dip, buy the dip, DCA regardless. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, going back to more uh, market talk, but yeah, I'm going to be buying whether it's at all time highs or all time lows. When I have money, I'm going to be buying. So it doesn't really doesn't really matter for me. Kevin says, why are bad days called black and not red? Red makes more sense, right? It does. Uh, yeah. Why is it called Black Monday? I think it is, is a Black Monday. There was I think it was called Black Monday. 
I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah, red would be more appropriate because I think the market lost something like 20% in one day uh, before they had all these uh, market circuit breakers that would uh, stop the market crash from happening. I don't know why they called it black, though. It's weird. Red is more appropriate. Uh, maybe we'll start calling it red. Uh, but some of the other things that I want to touch on, too, with uh, um, sort of not that my mood has soured, and I don't want you guys to think that uh, I'm not going to keep investing my money. Um, I always have a hefty cash position, probably a bigger cash position than most people, just because, again, I don't use debt and I, I don't leverage anything. And maybe that's the right way about going about it. Maybe it's not. It Again, it if you use that and I don't use that, I'm not better off than you and you're not better off than me. Um, I think we just have two different perspectives. Um, but where I really feel like not using debt is going to help me is going to be in a market crash uh, where people are either on using margin or maybe they're borrowing uh, because I've been hearing a lot of chatters about people saying, well, interest rates are so low, might be a good idea to borrow against your house to go invest. Um, and there is a lot of financial advice online that says, uh, don't pay off your house and invest. And yeah, I mean, the math works for that, but do not put yourself in a position where you're going to be again, overextended, over leveraged, uh, because, uh, bad times will happen and they could potentially wipe you out. Um, you know, a lot of people that, that invest on margin, um, if, if they get a margin call, they're uh, usually they're not going to get a margin 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 call when the market's up. They're going to get a margin call when the market's crashing, and, and it, it just it really 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 uh, will put you in a bad position. And do not try to outsmart yourself. Uh, that's kind of my advice there. Conscious says never heard anyone complain uh, about not having a mortgage. That's a very good point. So I've been mortgage free now for two months, three months. I'm loving it. Um, Man, I need a beard trim. My beard's all over the place. Um, yeah, I've been mortgage-free now for a couple of months, and I'm not complaining. I'm actually uh, really happy. I'm in the position that I'm at. I uh, Again, every day I wake up very blessed, very thankful for for everything that I have and everything that uh, I've, I've been able to accomplish. But at the same time, I keep living by the same principles. Uh, I'm, nothing uh, for me has changed whether... Uh, another funny thing is whether my YouTube channel gets to, uh, let's say I have a million subscribers and I'm starting to make millions of dollars uh, just from YouTube, nothing is going to change for me. It's not like all of a sudden, well, now that I have a million dollars, I'm going to change the way I've been doing it. Absolutely not. Uh, when you have a, a process and a system that works uh, with money, uh, you stick to that till the very end. And that's kind of uh, where the way I plan on doing it. Uh, if anything, the more money that I have, that just means I got more money to give away, which would be a blessing as well. Uh, Conscious says, peace of mind is also an underappreciated mindset, especially in a bull market. It is uh, because you'll, you'll see people um, out there that are getting the 100, 200% gains like we had last year. And, you know, you, for, for a lot of people, I think FOMO gets, uh, gets re real and, and they start to worry about, oh, my God, am I missing out? Am I missing out? And here I am just chugging along. Last year I made, what, 20, 22%. This year I'm up something like, I don't know, uh, or is I at 25, 26%. Not crazy numbers, right, to, to some of these people that have made hundreds of percents. Um, but the, the, the difference is the way I'm doing it and the way they're doing it, I have a process that uh, is as is, is good as gold. And they're kind of just guessing at what they're doing. And eventually... Uh, they're going to guess wrong. And 2021 has been proof of that. So, yeah, it's it's really being at peace with your investments, being at peace with uh, you're going to be as good as the market. And that's really as good as it's ever going to get, I think, is uh, is uh, under uh, appreciated mindset, because uh, in, in today's market, people are very greedy. In today's market, people think that money's uh, never going to stop flowing, that uh, whatever investment they make, that it's going to go up and hopefully um uh that you know proves right to, for them uh, for their sake but i think most of them will will be taught a, a difficult lesson about money and about investing when when that doesn't happen oh man i love by the way that uh this channel is not monetized so i can kind of um uh just uh not have to worry about what the uh 
algorithm is picking up, I can just kind of talk freely, which makes it a lot easier for me. Uh, another question here is, or is this a question or a statement? It says, and again, I'm sorry if I can't pronounce your name, Dominic, Domin, I'm not even going to try. Uh, I've been transitioning more into index funds from stocks. I've been working for a year in a treasury field. So I contribute into my 401k, 82% V, where's that? V-I-N-I-X, 18% V-S-C-I-X and Roth IRA, 100%. FSKX. It's a peace of mind. Um, yeah, it is. And um, I don't want to sound like I, I hate stocks and that I'm anti-stocks. Believe it, guy. Believe me or not, I'm not. Um, but I think it's kind of silly that um, we don't have time to be professional stock pickers. And I kind of uh, live and breathe the finance stuff. And I don't have time to go evaluate individual stocks so uh it's, it's a good thing that you picked index funds because uh, they're going to help you stay the course one and they're probably going to build you a crazy amount of wealth especially when you use avenues like your 401k and your roth ira where you're using um, tax advantage accounts i don't know if your 401k is a roth um uh, but if if it is and you know if you're if you're not making a lot of money and you don't mind that you know you're not getting the tax break now might be advantageous to max out that if you have a 401k uh, Roth option. But if not, even if it's a traditional 401k and you still got your Roth IRA, that's still a good mix. But it is a peace of mind and it's going to build you a whole heck of a lot of wealth over the next 40, 50 years if you uh, just stay with it. Conscious is funny. Conscious says... I don't check my portfolio, but once a day now, I'm trying to pick the best time to sell my Tesla share. I love index investing. It's such a lazy bear approach. Uh, you still got that one share of Tesla you're hanging on to, or are you just kind of making a joke about that? But um, yeah, you know, it's um, it gets dubbed the lazy approach or uh, the lazy way to invest, but it's not really the lazy way. It's, the, it's sort of the right way. It's just that investing was never meant to be exciting, but uh Unfortunately, these YouTubers who get paid a lot of money to hype up different investments, they make or try to make investment exciting. And I'm trying to bore it, uh, make it boring and make it, you know, really low key for everybody and trying to put people to sleep. But, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of hype men out there. Um, Piton just had horrible earnings and it wiped out all profits. And I just don't have time to track information on stocks anymore. Just call me Dominic. Okay, thanks, Dominic. That makes it easier for me. Uh, Peton. What's Peton? Is that Peloton? That might have been um, Peloton. Who? who uh, there's a YouTuber pumping Peloton, uh, or yeah, somebody's pumping Peloton. I've heard of her. I've seen thumbnails. I don't know. I don't, I don't know who it is. Yeah, and it's just look, man. It, it comes down to it, it. It's so simple when it comes to investing. It's like okay, Peloton. Um, what the heck is Peloton? They make bikes. Um, do you really think that, you know, in 2020 numbers for them are realistic? Because probably everybody on the on the planet was buying bikes because they thought the gyms were going to be closed for five years. Uh, now the gyms are back to being open. Nobody wants, you know, to buy their expensive machines. And it, it's it's just not worth over the long run, trying to find these things is just not worth it. Trying to deal with uh, uh, reading 10Ks and analyzing because that's what you have to do. You have to uh, really understand the company. You have to look at it as a business, not as a ticker symbol. You have to look at it as a business. If it's a business that you want to invest in and then trying to find the right price. And then even when you find the right price, maybe the price dips some more. And then, you know, you just kind of you just shoot yourself in the foot doing that time and time again. It's not really good for uh, uh, one. It's not good for you, uh, for your mental health. Two, it's not good for your wealth building. And in the long run, you're probably not going to be good at wealth building if uh, all you're doing is, you know, buying in the hype. Uh, Conscious says, I have I did have one share that would watch that I would watch that crap hourly. I eventually just sold it for peace of mind. Yeah, I mean, when you got one Tesla share and, you know, Tesla's you know, doing the crazy thing that it did last year. I'm sure that was a fun ride for you. But at the same time, you know, you know how I feel about Tesla. I, I think it's got nowhere else to go but down. 
um then just my opinion of course but and i don't honestly i i i've spent 30 minutes analyzing tesla stocks so i'm not a expert on tesla but um people that i know there's plenty of uh, people on youtube they'll tell you you know it's a it's worth four thousand dollars or it's this or it's that and uh, i think they're just uh they're either they've either lost their minds which i'm afraid a lot of people are starting to lose their minds and, and the other thing is uh do we have time 20 minutes yeah let, 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 let me uh let me go on a little bit of a rant we do have some time put this away here all right i get one more comment here, and then I'm going to go on a rant. I keep telling myself to take profits once up, oh, slow it down. I keep telling myself to take profits once my positions reach 25% gains. I bought Peloton on a dip and could have taken 35% gain. Could have, sh- could, could have, would have, should have. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the part that's difficult. Uh, all right, Kevin, I'm going to answer your question, then I'm going to go on a rant. Kevin says, uh, how many months of emergency funds do you recommend in an economic downturn? You've talked about deploying your cash reserves, but isn't this when you probably need the cash the most? Yeah, it is. So I typically, um, in in good times, like now, I'm, uh, I think I just dipped around 60000 is uh, where I have right now in cash, um, which should cover two years for me as far as bills. Uh, what would happen or what would happen, what I would do if there is this sort of market crash is as we, as the market starts to crash, uh, I would probably deploy one year's worth. So not even one year's, I use a 25, 50, 25 strategy. So I don't know if you've heard me talk about that, Kevin, but, uh, if the market dips about 10% off all time highs, I would deploy 10 not all my emergency fund. I would I would still keep at least at the very uh, least six months on hand. So I would say out of that sixty thousand, what's that? Mm, Fifteen grand I would keep. Um, but the rest of that forty five I would probably deploy at a twenty five percent of it when the market dips ten percent, fifty percent of it when the market dips twenty percent, and uh, the other uh, the other twenty five percent when the market dips thirty percent or more. But uh, that's kind of how I how I look at it. Yes, it's a good idea to have cash when the market's falling because uh, maybe your maybe your job isn't stable. I don't know. But at the same time, if uh, if you have a stable career, if you have multiple income streams, I don't think it's it's as big of a deal. Um, but yeah, if that's you know if you're relying on one income and uh, you don't have emergency fund, or if you're trying to invest your emergency fund while the market's down, that's probably pretty risky, I would say. All right, let's go ahead and do this uh, this rant here for a little bit. So, um, I've been kind of wondering and doing a lot of thinking, and I'm looking around on the YouTube space, and I'm seeing a lot of financial YouTubers who are, I think the the glass is going to have to come off for this. I've seen a lot of financial YouTubers that are, um, uh, one, they're hype men, and they're, and two, they're salesmen. So just um, meet Kevin is one that I keep thinking back because I saw that he was running for governor. I thought, one, that was pretty funny. But two, you know, the guy probably puts out three, four YouTube videos a day, probably makes, I don't know, upwards of $5 million a year from YouTube. So he didn't get rich by giving great stock advice he got rich by making youtube videos so he's in my opinion he's not someone who you should be looking to uh if you're in that peloton position dominic and i don't know if you got into peloton because of meet kevin or a different youtuber or if you found it on your own i don't know maybe this uh, rant has nothing to do with that but i think he was one that was pushing peloton a lot this guy does not make money in the stock market uh, he makes his money from YouTube uh, and from real estate before YouTube. Uh, some of these other guys, uh, who are the other big guys? Uh, Andre Jick is another one. That guy's peddling uh, cryptocurrencies. He he didn't make his money uh, in cryptocurrencies and in dividend investing. He made his money from YouTube. He used to be a magician before that, and I think he was making like 60K. So he made his money from YouTube. Uh, Graham Stephan. Graham Stephan. Um, while he's probably the not as bad as the other two, he makes most of his money from YouTube, not from 
his real estate uh, dealings, not from his investments. I'm sure he makes money from that, but most of his money comes from YouTube. Um, what's the other guy? What's the other fourth guy that they have? Jeremy. Jeremy, financial education. He probably makes most of his money from YouTube. I know he had a he had a big Tesla position, but previous to that, I think he what did he he worked at like a gas station or something like that. So these guys all are really good at selling at, at making YouTube videos about personal finance. Here's the thing though, if you made YouTube videos about personal finance, um it's boring. It's really like it doesn't get a lot of views. Like here I am here tonight talking about personal finance to uh, 11 people in this room. Um, eventually, you run out of stuff to talk about because there isn't a lot of stuff, uh, especially a lot of exciting stuff in personal finance. Yeah, buy low cost index funds. Don't take on a lot of debt. Don't do stupid stuff with money. The end. Uh, but that wouldn't make for a very successful YouTube channel. So these guys all push the realm of what gets views at all costs possible. And nobody calls them on their shit because they're big YouTubers. They're YouTubers with millions of subscribers. And and what's sad in today's society is if you have a million subscribers, you're automatically thought as some kind of expert. Nobody sits and has a sort of uh, thought about, hey, how did these guys make money? Like, do you think they really made their money from stock market investing? No. If you have a million subscribers, you're pulling in a decent amount of views you're pulling in a lot, a lot of money. A small channel like mine, the Monkey Finance channel, the not this one, but the other one, um, pulls in about a thousand, twelve hundred bucks a month. That's a, and I got seven thousand subscribers. Now think if I had fifty thousand, hundred thousand. Think if I had a million subscribers, what kind of money that channel will be pulling in? But the problem that comes with that again is is they're they're making crap up, um, whether it's Bitcoin whether it's uh, penny stocks, whether it's Peloton, um, whatever uh, they think is, is, is in the news and is going to get them views, they'll talk about it. They'll they kind of sold their soul out to, to making these YouTube videos to make more money from YouTube. And, to, and they could care less what you, the viewer, what ends up happening to you, whether your portfolio goes up or down. Um, really doesn't matter to them. As long as you, your eyeballs are on their video and you're watching their stuff, that's all that matters. And that that's sad that you know we're in a reality like that where every big YouTuber that talks about money is talking about shit. They're talking about crap that you should never ever put your money into. Um, and a lot of us little guys, and I'm gonna keep uh, fighting the good fight because believe it or not, uh, I still haven't sold out yet, nor do I plan on selling out. Um, even if even if I only ever reach ten thousand, I'll be super happy that I got you know, 10,000 people to listen to me, but I'm not going to sell out because it's not about getting the most amount of views or or making uh, content that will get the clicks. If I'm here to educate people, I'm here to teach people, this is the way to do it. Um, And I, my portfolio that I've grown has not come from YouTube. Uh, Making a thousand dollars a month on YouTube is not life changing money. Most of you guys, because this is my, for the most part, my full-time gig now, most of you guys probably that are watching me make more money than I make. So I'm not making a killing on YouTube and then taking that money and putting it in my portfolio and, you know, making my portfolio grow that way. No, I'm doing it uh, the way that everybody else is doing it out there. I'm working, working hard, uh, trying to save as much of my income as I can and, and invest it and invest it the right way and not look for shortcuts and, and really not try to lead people astray. Um, for the longest time, I had a, a even a, a problem of opening up that private Discord to charge people for that because I'm like, man, you know, I'm not bringing value to this. I feel like, you know, the five bucks a month that I take from people, I'm like, man, am I really bringing them any kind of value? But then I, at the end of the day, I thought about it. And I'm like, well, I could be pushing a thousand dollar course down people's throat or I could be pushing my coaching business down people's throat, but I don't do any of that. Um, and this five bucks uh, membership thing is like uh, I think conscious you put it a good way that put me at ease. It's kind of like a, uh, a a donation or or have a beer with me kind of thing, right? You five bucks will buy me a few beers that I'll drink live on the air and uh, we'll talk and kind of get to know each other better and all that. So it's I think it's a fair way for me to trade my time with people. But at the same time, what really uh, what really drives me berserk is when when I see other financial YouTubers sort of taking advantage uh, of the money. 
and 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 really following the money and not following their heart or following what what's best for the people that are actually watching them and making that money because believe it or not when you guys watch us here on youtube just by you guys watching now not on this channel this channel is not going to be monetized probably ever but if it does get to be monetized it won't make much uh, just because it's a live stream channel but when you guys watch us in those ads play it's like um half a penny to a penny per ad that you see um now imagine you know if you're getting i don't know 50 60 000 well no those guys are probably getting a hundred thousand uh views a day imagine you know those half a pennies they keep adding up and some of these guys might be making five ten thousand uh dollars a day easily uh, depending on how many views their channel gets so every everything has turned into views everything has turned into uh, just get garbage out there, see what sticks. And it's it's really disappointing. It's 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 really um, uh, not the way you should be building your wealth. So um, I think the the good ones, uh, there's still good YouTubers out there. I'm not saying any like everybody out there is bad. Uh, a couple of people that I watch, like um, what's their name? Uh, not a uh, yeah, the Money Guy Show. What am I trying to say? It's uh, Bo Henson and. Uh, What's the uh, what's the other guy spazzing on his name? The Money Guy Show. Those guys are financial advisors. Um, and you know how I feel about financial advisors. I'm not that fond of them, but those guys I appreciate because they, you know, they give you the stuff straightforward. Um, they teach you really good uh, investing principles, um, and they're not there saying, "Hey, uh, buy my course," even though they have a course and they have a a few only service advisory service they're not pushing that on you they're kind of giving you a lot of free knowledge and they're a good resource to have um paul merriman ben felix all former advisors oh well, felix is still a advisor but paul merriman's a former financial advisor now runs his own uh educational uh sort of a nonprofit firm but those are all good people to listen to and you never hear them pushing bitcoin you never hear them pushing penny stocks you never hear them saying you know buy individual stocks and these are people that are that are professionals in in the money management game they've been doing it for a living meet kevin and and andre jick and jeremy and uh uh graham stefan those guys they were never professional money managers they have no idea what the what the heck they're talking about and and just because they have a million viewers they can come on air and spew their garbage and millions of people listen to it and follow it. And it's just, it's getting to the point where I think they've created uh, a lot. They're going to push a lot of people out of investing. And, and once this whole thing kind of fizzles out, and I'm sure 2021 has been an eye opener for a lot of people that have lost money in the market while the market's still gone up like 20 something percent, believe it or not, a lot of the people that are following these uh, hype men on YouTube, uh, they're, they're losing a lot of money. Uh, in 2021. And, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, the market's down. That's the most common theme I hear. All oh, the market's down. Have you looked at the market? I've, the market hasn't been down since March of 2020. So I don't know uh, where I keep hearing those uh, dumb statements from. But that's what these guys, uh, these hype men sell you. Uh, they sell you that you too can get rich like them and, and be worth millions of dollars. Um, I think Meet Kevin worked at Jamba Juice and now he's worth, I don't know, 20, 30 million dollars. And he did that in five years. And yes, you too can do that, right? Because it's so easy. It's so easy to replicate. You too can do it. Uh, it's a bunch of baloney. So I'm here to just be real with you guys. I'm here to tell you uh, it's not all uh, sunshine and uh, and rainbows, unfortunately. And uh, for those of you guys that want to listen to me, you can. For those of you guys that don't want to listen to me, I think you'll you'll have a rude awakening eventually when when the market does correct and, and you guys won't be pre uh, be prepared for it. All right. Let's see, it says he said uh, this is uh, Dominic he says I bought it on a dip when it crashed on the news when a kid died due to safety on the treadmill. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know about uh Again, I don't follow the stocks, so I don't know anything about that. But maybe it was a good entry point for you. Maybe not. Um, it, it's still, it, it really, it just boggles my mind that, you know, we're talking about a, um, you know, a stock that produces uh, exercise machines. And that that is something that, you know, people have been told that this is how they build wealth. So it's kind of um, 
I don't know. It's kind of silly to me. Also, I am from Chicago, too. Oh, really, Dominic? You're from Chicago? That's pretty cool, man. I didn't know that. I, I haven't seen you uh, in my live streams before. Maybe you maybe you have. I just haven't uh, haven't paid. Maybe I don't remember. But your name's pretty unique. I probably would remember. He says, uh, I just remembered you mentioned you were a deep dish pizza boy. Yeah, I am deep dish. I just had a had a deep dish other last Thursday, last Friday. Um, but yeah, I try to lay off too now because you know I'm getting a little getting a little more chunkier. But I, I do like my deep dish pizza. Um, but that's really going to do it for today's stream. Um, just keep in mind, guys, money is finite. Don't think that uh, it's never going to come to an end. It always comes to an end um, as far as money. And uh, let me just remount my mic here. And uh, treat it as such and uh, understand that w- while you have it, that's the time to save it when you don't have it probably not uh not a good time to save it so um don't uh fall for these traps and all this crap and nonsense that you hear on youtube um a lot of that stuff is again you have to sit back and and peel the onion back and understand that a lot of these people are making money off your views not necessarily because they're good investors their portfolios are not growing because they're good investors their portfolios are growing because you know their youtube income or their real estate dealings or something outside of the stock market is, is, is growing their portfolios. Uh, I watched one of your videos on the main channel. I watched two of your live streams, but this one, I actually got time to chill. Nice. Yeah. So, um, it's good to, to, to come in and chat it up with you guys. That's probably my favorite part of these live streams. I know this second channel is not going to get a lot of views, and if we build it up, we build it up. But, you know, if you guys are from the main channel and you you like the stuff that I talk about, that kind of everyday finance stuff, um, uh, then, uh, you know, come on this channel. You get to interact with me. I, we get to be in a more chill environment. I always will have my cervezas uh, handy, one or two, of course. I don't want to push it. Um, then I might start to blab way too much. Concha says, are there names? Uh, oh, the Brian Peterson, Bo Henson. Yes. The money guy guys. Yeah. Sorry. I spaced out on their names, uh, earlier when I was, uh, talking about, but yeah, I really, I, I like I listen to their podcast. So I always throw that. I always have their podcast on. Uh, I, I love doing when they do their, uh, they do their shows like, um, average net worth by age or average debt by age. It just really, those guys, um, they they're they're good teachers that's all i'm gonna say and i listened to them uh for a long time i've probably been listening to them even before i started my youtube channel yeah i started listening to them even before i started my youtube channel so uh, definitely good people and uh they give really really good advice again i'm not gonna agree with the financial advising part but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna dock them for that if anything they get some more credibility points for being real advisors unlike uh a lot of us here, myself included, that come on here that uh, might be sharing their journeys, but you know, by no means are we professional money managers. We just know how to manage our own money. Uh, so that's going to cut it uh, for tonight's live stream, guys. Uh, let's see here. They're pretty good. Foo is a decent concept. Yeah. Uh, financial order of operations, I think is what they call it. Yeah, that is. Uh, again, one thing I don't conscious one thing i don't agree with him is the use of the credit card and the use of of car loans i know they say uh what is it uh three or was it eight three something they have a system uh for their car loans but some of the stuff again we don't have to agree on 100 percent. but for the most part uh for the most part uh they give good advice all right last question then we're gonna cut it here Dominic says, ever plan on having calls on your channel with other people or viewers? I do. Yes, I am still a little bit of a cheap, cheap, uh, cheap ass when it comes to investing in my business. But I'm trying to set up this uh, streaming software uh, where I'm going to have I would like to have like Zoom calls where I can have like two side by side. Um, So it'll be like a video call instead of a phone call. I guess it could be a phone call, too. I just don't have to turn on the video for you. But I would like to bring you guys, the viewers, on and uh, us to chat it up live. 
you know, a little, you know, five minute stint. If you have a question or two, you want to ask me live. So yes, that is coming. Just give me maybe another couple of weeks to get my, uh, get my software set up. All right. That's going to do it guys. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Hit the thumbs up button, uh, on the way out, uh, and subscribe. I'm sure you're probably subscribed if you're watching, but subscribe. If not, maybe share it with one friend who wants to come and, uh, learn about money. Uh, not the hype way. I might put you to sleep, but it, it's a, it's the good way to learn about money. At least I think it is. Uh, thanks for watching guys. Have a great uh, rest of your night. And as always, remember, move obstacles, keep investing.